Do you seek the freedom to pursue greater meaning and purpose in your life? Is there something that you're passionate about that you'd like to support by giving time, talent, or money? Do you seek a level of financial freedom to live an ideal life as you uniquely define it? Welcome to the Money and Meaning Show with Jeff Bernier, a show dedicated to helping you gain the confidence and freedom to lead a life of personal significance and help you get your actions and resources in alignment with what matters most. Welcome to the Money and Meaning Show with Jeff Bernier. My name's Mike Bernard and I'm your host. Thanks for being with us. Like Jeff, I am a certified financial planner as well. This show is all about helping you discover what matters most and then helping you get your actions and resources in alignment with your goals. We combine excellence in wealth management with the pursuit of meaning and purpose in your life. Jeff Bernier is the founder, president, and chief investment officer of Tandem Growth Financial Advisors of wealth management firm in Alpharetta, Georgia, a suburb in the greater Atlanta area. All right, Jeff, great to be back in the studio. How are you? Mike, I am I am really grateful. All right. Anything big planned for the holidays? Well, you, you know, um, it, it'll be a fun Christmas this year. My uh, be my grandson's first Christmas. You know, I've got a got a uh, you know a, 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 a almost a one year old. So grateful and blessed. You for got sure. it. You got it. Awesome. So what's on the agenda for today? Well, as our our listeners, many of our listeners uh, may be approaching retirement, and one of the biggest decisions that they may make is how and when to begin taking Social Security. And I'm so pleased today that uh, we've got my friend and colleague Alicia Lipscomb, who is from the Social Security Administration, as our guest. And she's going to give us a Social Security update and a primer and talk a little bit about about some of the the claiming strategies. You know, Alicia is really um, a, a great resource to the advisor community. She's a great resource to, you know, to, to – um, you, you know, um, you know, to the people that are, uh, need educational Social Security, but she has been really proactive in helping advisors in our firm in particular. So, welcome, Alicia, to the Money and Meaning Show. Thank you, Mike and Jeff, for having me on your show today. I really appreciate the opportunity. Terrific, terrific. So, before we start, Alicia, do you mind just telling the audience a little bit about what you do and how you found yourself working for the Social Security Administration? Well, I sort of started working for the Social Security Administration sort of as a fluke, to be honest. <laughs> I was, uh, it was my last month at University of Georgia. I was still looking for a job. And one of the, I was coaching a swim team, and one of the parents was a manager in the Athens, Georgia Social Security office. And he happened to mention we we're hiring for positions. So I'm like, okay, no big deal. So I popped my resume in, and now almost 19 years later, I'm still working for Social Security. Wow. So it's, it's, it's sort of a funny story, um, but I enjoy what I do. My role is to go out, speak to the public, help them understand benefits, what their options are, and also resolve issues if something occurs when we're out in the public. Got you. And, and your title at one time was Public Affairs Specialist. Is that still the appropriate title, or do you have some other title today? I'm, I'm not— I'm known as a PASS or a public affairs specialist, but I'm mostly known as the social security lady everywhere I go. So that's, <laughs> right. that is my nickname wherever I go. Yeah, well, you're a great you're a great spokesperson for the for the for the uh, organization. So it's great. So why don't we we'll, we'll make this we'll start with the basics. So how does someone qualify for retirement benefits under Social Security? Well, they have to have earnings that are taxed by Social Security. And that's one thing. A lot majority of individuals work for employers or self-employed, and they pay Social Security taxes. 
So how you qualify is that you have to earn credits through earnings that are taxed by Social Security. And to earn one credit in 2019, all you have to earn is $1,360 gross that's been taxed by Social Security. You can earn up to four credits per year is, is the rule for everybody. So in 2019, if you've earned more than $5,440, you get your four credits for the year. It, it's just an earnings amount. And one way I like to explain it, it's similar to car insurance. If you keep paying the premiums, you maintain your coverage. So in the event of a retirement, you can draw from your policy. In order to have a paid-in-full policy with Social Security, you must have 40 credits or 10 years of work paying into Social Security in order to receive a benefit whenever you're eligible for the retirement benefit. Gotcha. So 40 credits is the key to qualify yeah. for retirement benefits. And, and in, any, in any order, in other words, you could have credits and then have a gap in uh, earnings and then have another f- few years of earnings. So it doesn't really matter, correct? As long as you have at right. least 40. Yeah, it doesn't have to be consecutive. Once you hit the 40-point mark, you're guaranteed something from us. And a lot of people don't realize they became vested in Social Security at a very young age. Right. Because in, in 2019, to get your four credits, is only $5,440. In earnings. That's minimal. Yeah. In earnings, that's minimal. Yeah. So a lot of people don't realize they've already reached that point at a very young age. Right. So once you've got your credits and you're getting a little bit longer or later in your career, how does the administration determine the benefit? How is the benefit formula calculated? Well, this basic rule has been in place since 1935. We always reassure people how we calculate benefits. The first thing we do with Social Security benefits to do the calculation, we do an inflation adjustment. That's a cost of living adjustment you hear about. So we look at your highest 35 years of work, and we make adjustments based on inflation. We do the cost of living increases for all those years. And from there, we use that formula to calculate your benefits. So again, it's high 35, highest 35 years of work adjusted for inflation. And one way somebody can stay in touch to know what's going on with their benefits is that back in October of 2016, we stopped mailing paper statements out to anybody under the age of 60. That annual statement you right. can get from Social Security. Yeah. So one way for people to stay in touch with their benefits is to visit our website at socialsecurity.gov and create a My Social Security account. It is a username, password-protected account. We encourage everybody to go to our website to create the online account. One warning we do give to people is that if you have a credit freeze, which a lot of individuals do, you are unable to open your online account unless you lift your credit freeze. And some people don't want to do that. So you do have the option of visiting a local office and presenting your state-issued ID or driver's license, and we can give you a special activation code so you can stay on top of your benefits through your My Social Security account. So you can see how your numbers change every year, and you have access to it 24-7 through your online account. And you can track your earnings and see your earnings credits and, and all those kinds of things. So that's good. I, I did yeah. not. I was not aware that the credit freeze made that un, unavailable unless you went into an office and got a special code or password or something. That's that's really helpful. So yeah. so talk that feedback a lot. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about how uh, claiming early or delaying affects your your benefit because it's uh, you get a primary um, full retirement benefit and it is affected by whether you claim early or late. Correct. Yes, that's absolutely true. So most individuals, um, when they file for benefits, there's this question, what should I do? We always explain to them, 
your full retirement age, which is based on what year that you're born. And for example, if you're born in 1954, your full retirement age is age 66. Another term you may hear is normal retirement age. But Social Security, we use full retirement age as our language for that. So if I'm born in 1954, my full retirement age is age 66. So if I wait till my own full retirement age, that is when I qualify for 100% of my benefit computation. Gotcha. I have 35 years of work adjusted for inflation. However, if I take my benefit any time before my full retirement age, it is a smaller percentage for the rest of my life. So for example, if I were to take my benefit at age 62, my full retirement age is age 66, the most I would ever receive from Social Security for the rest of my life is 75%. Gotcha. And then if I waited till 63, it's 80%. 64 is 86.6%. 65 is 93.3%. So as you can see, it matters when you start your benefits, what percentage you're going to receive for the rest of your life. So I always give people this simple reminder, anytime before full retirement age, lesser amount for the rest of your life. You're locked into that. Right. Then we do something interesting at Social Security. For every single month you wait, or for every 12 months after your full retirement age, we give you extra money for waiting. And that t- fancy term is called delayed retirement credits, if, in case anybody hears that information out there. So what it basically means is for every year I wait, between my full retirement age up to age 70, I will receive an extra 8% for every 12 months I delay, or 0.06% per month I delay. So, for example, my full retirement is age 66. I decide to wait till age 70 to start my benefit. I would receive 132% for the rest of my life. But remember, it's all going to depend when your full retirement age is up to age 70, how much your delayed retirement credits would add to your benefit computation. Okay, right. So you can claim as early as 62. You have a full retirement age based on the year you were born where there's no mm-hmm. reduction. If you take it prior to that date from 62 or later, prior to that date, there is a reduction. And for every year that you wait, it's approximately an 8% increase up until age 70. Absolutely. Okay. And then tell us a little bit about how the spousal benefits work. How, do, how, does, how does a spouse's, um, either a non-working spouse or a working spouse, interact with each other in terms of their, their benefits? Okay. We're getting a lot of questions about spousal benefits because we sort of got the end of the baby boomers coming to us. So we're getting a lot of questions regarding this. You have to remember spousal benefits were built on this idea of being dependent on the other person for their livelihood because A, they didn't have a work history. They didn't work and have the 40 points, 40 credits, I should say, in Social Security, or they've worked very little and they have a very small benefit in comparison to their spouse's history. Okay. So first thing we look at is how long a person has been married to a living married spouse. You have to be married to the person for at least one year or more in order to qualify as a married spouse. We're bringing this up a little bit more because we're noticing a lot of older couples getting remarried. Right. So we want to make sure that they're aware. We have to meet the one-year mark as a living spouse to see if you qualify. So what we generally do is we apply what is called the 50% rule. That's the way I explain it. The most a married living spouse can receive from their partner is 50% of their 100%. I want to really emphasize that part, the 100% part. And the spouse's benefit is based on the person's own age. So I'll give you an example. Let's say I'm 66 years old this year. I don't have a work history. I don't have the 40 credits, so I don't qualify for anything from Social Security. My spouse happens to be age 62, and he chooses to file an application. 
by him filing that application, because I don't have a work history, allows me to potentially file for benefits. Because it's built on this whole idea. If my spouse needs it, then it's assumed I need it. And if he doesn't want to file a benefit, I can't get anything from Social Security. Because I am 66, I would receive 50% of his 100%. Because he is 62, he would only receive 75% of his benefits. However, if I'm age 62 and he's 62, I would only receive about 30 to 35% because I am filing before my own full retirement age. So that's how the spousal benefit works. And we look at the 50% rule. I'll give you a quick little example to help people understand this. This applies across the board to everybody. We look at my 100% amount compared to my spouse's 100% amount. Because the most I can receive is 50% of my spouse's. So if my own benefit, for example, is $1,000 and my spouse's benefit is $1,200, since my own benefit of $1,000 is greater than 50% of his, which is $600, I would not be eligible as a spouse because I have my own benefit to support myself. Right. Just collect on your own so we always Right. Yeah, so we always look at that. So one easy trick I always tell people, pull up your online account, look at your social security statement. Compare your 100% amount, your full retirement age, to your spouse's full retirement age amount. If your amount is more than half of theirs, you're not going to receive any anything extra. And we look at that when you file your application because we ask about any current marriages. So we always are required by law to explore that option when anybody files for a benefit. Gotcha. Okay. And um, so we talked about spouses. What about uh, a divorced spouses? Do they not get a benefit on their uh, from their previous marriage if they if they're under certain circumstances? Yeah, there's a potential for divorced spouses. And I always remind people we treat married spouses and divorced spouses the same way. I'm getting a lot of questions lately. Should I remarry him or her to get more money? And I have to remind <laughs> them, no, you don't. <laughs> so this is the general criteria for a divorced spouse. Your marriage must have lasted 10 consecutive years of legal marriage before it was dissolved. We um, also look at the fact that you have to be unmarried. That, that's the biggest factor why people cannot file for a previous spouse because they're currently remarried to somebody else. You have to be at least age 62 or older, and your ex-spouse has to be at least age 62 or older. So this is a category where age does play a role when you can potentially file. And that 50% rule I discussed earlier where I'm getting 1,000, my husband's getting 1,200, that same rule does also apply to divorced spouses because there's this whole idea, would you be dependent on the other person, your former spouse, for any economic security? So again, my 1000 to 1200 my husband and I are divorced, I still would not qualify as a divorced spouse because my amount is more than half of his. Gotcha. Well, if, but if, if you're, so if you have a divorced individual who wants to, okay. who wants to claim on their previous spouse's record, um, does the previous spouse have to be collecting? No, they just have to be 62 or older, and it doesn't matter if they've been remarried okay. or if they're currently married to anybody else. Because um, there's a term we use, it's called independently entitled. So if I was married three times to three husbands, I don't have a work history, they're going to look at which one would benefit me the highest. And it doesn't matter if any of them are remarried. It's about me as the individual, I'm currently unmarried. So I give a little tip to help divorce spouses with this, because there's always a lot of questions about they don't know exactly the work history of their former spouse. Right. The most we can pay somebody this year um, in 2019 at age 66, the 100% point, this doesn't count the extra 8%, 
is $2,861. What's the most a married or divorced spouse can receive? 50% of 100%. So I take 2861 divided by two. If my own benefit, my 100% amount is more than $1,430, I automatically know I do not qualify as a divorced spouse. Right. You collect on your own record. Uh, right. Yes. Gotcha. So okay. We just do that as a little tip just to help people out. Right. Okay. So we talked about the delayed credits for delaying, and we talked about the early penalty for collecting early. Once someone starts collecting Social Security, how does the cost of living feature work on Social Security? Okay. Well, that's a common question we're getting right now because we just released the cost of living um, increase announcement for 2020. So in 2020, all recipients and non-recipients will receive a 1.6% increase in their benefit amount. We take their current benefit amount at an additional 1.6% effective January 2020. And this also applies to people not receiving a benefit because we want to make sure whenever they file their benefits, it's in the future dollars, not today's dollars when it comes to benefits. So they apply that to the formula as you're calculating someone who's not retired in terms of their their future benefit amount. And that's the amount that our check would increase if we are collecting, essentially. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. So, you know, we used to do a lot of planning around when to file and file and suspend, and it gets it gets a little crazy. So prior to 2016, a retiree could file and suspend, meaning they could get delayed credits on their own record, uh, and a spouse could, could also collect on their record. That's no longer... That's no longer available. Is that? Am I stating that correctly? Yes, you are correct. It, and it, it is no longer available to anybody born after January 2nd, 1954. So that's the magic date. And so we have a lot of people who are past that age. So there's no way they could take that option of filing and suspending anymore. So okay. that was taken away because it was due to the Bipartisan Budget Agreement Act of 2016, in case anybody wants to know the law. <laughs> um, if you, the rule was, it looked at the fact that you should only get a dependence benefit if you're truly dependent. Right. Going back to that spousal right. benefit. So now the rule is, if you suspend your benefit, you suspend your dependence too. Yeah. Mm. So, so the dependent can't collect on your record unless you're collecting at, at that time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's the, way, the, the easy way for me to think about it. Uh, but you can still yeah. do a restricted application, however, can you not? Can you, you can still do a restricted application uh, and restrict it to a spousal benefit while you're accrues. Is that, is that true? Yes, you can still do that. You still have to meet the same requirement. You're born before January 2nd, 1954. Your spouse must be currently getting a benefit from Social Security or they suspended their benefits prior to May 30th, 2016. And I'm still running into people that this option is still available to them where they can do that. Okay. Um, but you still so got to be born before 54. Yes. It still applies. Yes. Is that also the case in survivorship benefits? That same? Um, no. Okay. Yeah, that's one error. People are getting confused. This only applies to living spousal benefits. I got it. Yeah. Yeah, the, the whole issue around when to claim can get rather confusing because it's like most things in financial planning, there are multiple factors to consider. Um, I mean, you've got health history to consider, other resources to consider, age differences between spouses. I mean, there's just, there's just a lot that goes into it. 
Are there any specific uh, rules or guides um, or best time to claim or some strategies that we should we should be thinking about as it relates to when when to file? We always advise you to, if you're married, speak with your spouse, number one. <laughs> uh, number two, uh, we always advise you to reach out to trusted sources, uh, certified financial planners, certified public accountants that can answer all those other questions. Your benefits team where you work at to understand whatever benefits are available to you into retirement. Look at your age, your work history. Um, Look at your overall income, basic budgeting. There's a lot of factors involved, but ultimately it is your decision when you want to start, but we want to make sure that you make an informed decision. That's why we advise you to go to trusted sources, visit our website at socialsecurity.gov. Base it on your situation. It's very easy to get roped into the cycle where you you start asking everybody what they did, but they don't know what go. You don't know what goes on in their household. They don't know what goes on in your household. So we really advise you to do what is best for you. Go to trusted sources and visit our website, or give us a call. We'll be glad to assist you with understanding our benefits. Very helpful. Very helpful. So, uh, so talk a little bit about work. Uh, we have a lot of clients that work past normal retirement. So, how does how does work affect the benefit? Well, I've got some good news for you. If you're 66 or older, which is a normal retirement age or full retirement age for an individual, you can technically keep on working and draw a Social Security benefit. It does not affect your amount at all. It's only when you're working, getting a W-2 or self-employed, and receiving a benefit before your full retirement age where we have to apply the yearly earnings test to see if it's going to affect you. But as a general, as an overall rule, the month you turn your full retirement age, you can make as much as you want, and Social Security does not care anymore. But prior to your normal retirement age, you get the, I guess you get, you get the, you, there is an adjustment. Yes, there is an adjustment, and uh, for 2019, if you earn over $17,640, for every $2 you go over that threshold, we're going to hold back $1 benefits. Right. And so for 2020, we just released it, it's going to be $18,240 for 2020. Yeah, so if you're going to earn any significant income, you certainly don't collect. You let the credits compound. Um, and, and then at 66, you could make the decision on whether you want to collect or not at, at that time. You know, I think, I think in a, from a planning perspective, Mike, I, I think we understate – I think most people understate their likely life expectancy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're living longer, um, and, and I think many people err on the side of claiming too early because they can't envision themselves living as long as I think people are likely to live perhaps. Um, but, um, but, but I think Alicia's point is well taken. It's, you know, every client situation is different. Is that, is that sort of your experience? I, I would, claim? Yeah, I would agree with that as well. And then, and then you add in the unknown and the unknown of, well, um, what could anything happen with social security and, and Alicia, obviously you don't know, but the solvency type type concerns that are on everyone's statements and so on. And so I do think people underestimate their longevity. And if they looked at the, the summation, the, the accumulation of what they would draw from social security, they, it, they'd be more likely to wait. But then there's, there's this concern that, well, will it be there? Yeah. Well, let, well, let's ask Alicia about that. So, you know, this is, you know, many people do choose not to delay, um, even though the math may make it really compelling, uh, because they are concerned about the future solvency of the program, or, 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 
or or they don't think they're going to live as long. You know, mm-hmm. one of the two. So, what would you what would you say to someone who voices those types of concerns, Alicia, in terms of the and the quality, you know, the the, the security of the program? Right, and it's it's a it's a common question we get. And we understand why, because every year we're required by law to receive to send out the trustees report, and basically it's a report to Congress saying, "Hey, this is what's going on. This is going. Um, this is what's going on with Social Security." And so, as of our trustees report this year, as of 2035, we'll be able to pay out 77 percent of projected benefits. It doesn't mean there's no money at all. That's the big issue people have that confuse. Solvency equals no money to pay out. As long as they're a taxpayer in the country paying 6.2%, we take that amount and divvy out to current recipients. One of the biggest factors that has been affecting us is that we are all living longer. Right. So the number of people work years versus receiving years, it's shifting. And also the number of workers to recipients has gone down drastically, too. So there's not as many people paying in the taxes, so that has affected us. So we always remind individuals, if you have any questions about Social Security, have a concern about it, we always um, remind you to speak to your elected representatives, because they're the ones who look at the issue of Social Security and the funding. And back in 1983, they made some major changes, such as staggering out the full retirement age, because some people still think it's 65. Right. Well, back in 1983, a bipartisan committee got together and made the changes that have kept us going through basically two recessions, the baby boomer, boomer generation, too. So we just hope that um, political will will take place. But we really, as of now, all we can tell you is as of 2035, based on current numbers, we'll be able to pay out 77% of projected benefits. Right, right. Well, this has been this has re- really been helpful, Alicia. Is there anything else that you would like to share or um, anything, any other uh, advice for our listeners? Or and, and again, you can state the best way for them to get information if you would. We always remind you it is your decision when you choose to start to receive retirement benefits or if you're interested in learning more about spousal benefits or planning for um, in the event your spouse passes away, please visit our website at www.socialsecurity.gov. Social Security is available to come out do presentations to your organizations or groups. You can visit our website, click on Ask a Speaker. We'll be glad to come out, inform you. We encourage everybody to please create a My Social Security account. That is your gateway to figure out what is going on with your benefits. We've got numerous calculators on our websites. We've got video presentations. We have a Facebook page. We have a blog. We have so much information out there that, is, that you can tailor personally to help you make an informed decision. So don't be afraid of approaching us. Visit our website. Give us a call. We are glad to help you out at any point. Very helpful. That is very, very helpful. helpful. Thank Alicia. you so much. Really appreciate the information today. All right. So so there you have it, folks. Another episode of the Money and Meaning Show with Jeff Bernier. I want to, want to thank Alicia for imparting some of that wisdom on us. And I know Social Security can be extremely confusing. And so, Alicia, we appreciate your efforts in helping, really, the entire public uh, know more about their option, how Social Security works, and helping them make a great decision. So uh, we hope you found today's discussion very helpful. Thanks for joining us. And don't forget, check out past episodes or check out Jeff's blog at tandemgrowth.com forward slash perspectives. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Money and Meaning Show with Jeff Bernier, a show dedicated to help you gain the confidence and freedom to lead a life of personal significance and help you get your actions and resources in alignment with what matters most. We would love to hear from you. If you have any questions for Jeff or Mike or comments on the show, 
feel free to reach out to us at moneyandmeaning@tandemgrowth.com, or you can find us on the web at www.tandemgrowth.com. Jeff Bernier is the President and Chief Investment Officer at Tandem Growth Financial Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. This show is a production of Tandem Growth Financial Advisors, LLC. All information discussed is general in nature, is provided for informational purposes only, and should not be construed as specific financial, legal, or tax advice. Listeners should consult an attorney or tax professional regarding their specific legal or tax situation. Listeners should not rely on the content of this podcast as the basis for any investment decisions. A professional advisor should be consulted and or independent due diligence should be conducted before implementing anything discussed in this show. While information presented is believed to be factual and up-to-date, Tandem Growth Financial Advisors, LLC, does not guarantee its accuracy and it should not be regarded as a complete analysis of the subjects discussed. Tandem Growth Financial Advisors, LLC, does not make any representations or warranties as to the accuracy, timeliness, suitability, completeness, or relevance of any information prepared by any unaffiliated third party, such as guests on the podcast, and takes no responsibility for the same.